This morning we pick up our reading in the second chapter of Ruth. As a reminder, at the end of last week's reading, at the end of chapter one, we were told that the barley harvest is now underway in Bethlehem. So now I invite you to listen as I read selected verses from Ruth chapter two. Together, let us listen for the word of God. Now, Naomi had a respected relative, a man of worth, through her husband from the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. In the next few verses, Ruth and Naomi decide that Ruth will go glean in the field so that the two of them may have something to eat. It turns out that Naomi winds up gleaning in Boaz's field. Boaz returns to Bethlehem and asks one of the servants who Ruth is. Scripture continues. The young man answered, she's a young Moabite woman, the one who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked permission to glean. She arrived and has been on her feet from the morning until now and has sat down for only a moment. Boaz said to Ruth, haven't you understood, my daughter? Don't glean in another field. Don't go anywhere else. Instead, stay here with my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that they are harvesting and go along after them. I've ordered the young men not to assault you. Whenever you are thirsty, go to the jugs and drink from what the young men have filled. Then she bowed down, face to the ground, and replied to him, How is it that I've found favor in your eyes that you notice me? I'm an immigrant. Boaz responded to her, everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband's death has been reported fully to me. How you left behind your father, your mother, and the land of your birth and came to a people you had not known beforehand. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. She said, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, sir, because you've comforted me and because you've spoken kindly to your female servant, even though I'm not one of your servants. Boaz ordered his young men, let her glean between the bundles and do not humiliate her. Also pull out from the bales for her and leave them behind for her to glean and don't scold her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. She picked it up and went into town. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over after eating her fill and gave it to her. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? May the one who noticed you be blessed. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi replied to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord who has not abandoned his faithfulness with the living or with the dead. Naomi said to her, This man is one of our close relatives. He's one of our redeemers. Ruth the Moabite replied, Furthermore, he said to me, Stay with my workers until they've finished all of my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young, these young women so that men don't assault you in another field. Thus she stayed with Boaz's young women, gleaning until the completion of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. As you might expect, when Dave and I traveled to Concord for my interview a little over a year ago, the search committee took us on a tour of just about every corner of the church campus. I still have pictures on my phone of many of the spaces we typically associate with First Presbyterian Church. From Memorial Gardens, the Commons Prayer Room, the steeple, and even the ladder in the balcony that leads to the clock room inside the steeple. You should know that the entire PNC climbed up that ladder. I did not. I did not want to fall on my face, so to speak, in the middle of an interview. As we walked through the fellowship house and peeked through the windows in what is now my office, my wise husband smiled and whispered, I know what your favorite part is. In unison, we both said, the playground. Over the past few months, I have loved hearing little voices as they laugh and run and pretend to be Fire trucks or wolves? I don't know. The howl and the siren sound kind of the same. And I even smiled when I heard a child crying those (gasps) loud, exhausted sobs. You know what I mean, right? But I smiled because I knew that a teacher was not far away, ready to soothe and reassure the little one who sounded so sad and so tired. I savor seeing children from the neighborhood enjoy unstructured playtime under the, hu- the branches of that huge, majestic old tree, while a weary parent or grandparent rests for a moment on the bench. I love the visible and audible reminders of this welcoming space in the midst of a bustling world. In this morning's text, we meet Ruth and Naomi again after they have settled back in Bethlehem among Naomi's people. They're still finding their way and hoping to find a safe place to build a new life and thrive. Ruth offers to go into the fields to glean. As you may know, the women's only asset, their only option is, quote, the right of the poor to glean the dropped stalks that Israelite harvesters are supposed to leave behind for them. The harvesters know that they are to leave some of what they could gather so that widows, orphans, and immigrants have a way to find food and sustain themselves. This practice is written into the foundational sacred law codes of the community. Leviticus 19, a couple of verses there read, When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field and don't gather up every remaining bit of your harvest. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. So this notion of leaving something for the outsider, providing a way for the poor and the foreigner to make a way, is built into the shape of who and what the community is called to be. In this practice, the very ones who only a chapter before were described as left behind and leftover husks with no hope and no future will now find new life through the gifts left behind for them. One year during a full and exhilarating summer day camp week at a church I served a few years back, there was one child for whom things were not too fantastic. Daniel, and his name has been changed, has Down syndrome. 
Very quickly, it became clear that much of what was going on was too loud, too much for him to bear. And I was awed by the way counselors and others stepped in to create space for him in that place. One counselor named Sarah sat with him in a quiet, tucked away space for a while and then discovered that he loves books, especially books on tape. So I later found them in one of the nursery school rooms, reading and listening to books. And while she knew that Daniel was content, tucked away, Sarah wanted to find a way to make space for Daniel within the group if she could. She discovered that Daniel loved to sing. So during lunch one day, Daniel taught each lunch table some of his favorite songs. Sarah looked out for Daniel and made a space for him. When Boaz reaches the field, he quickly notices Ruth. When he asks who she is, the servant replies, she's a young Moabite woman, the one who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. In other words, she's that outsider, that alien. She's not from around here. Boaz immediately devises a plan to protect her, to carve out space for her to continue caring for her mother-in-law and for herself. He looks out for this one who is doubly vulnerable as a widow and a foreigner. He tells her to keep her eye on the field. He makes sure she has plenty of water, food to eat at the midday meal, and an abundance of grain to glean and carry home. And when Naomi sees the bounty that Ruth is carrying home, she, of course, wants to know who's responsible. When Ruth tells her that it was Boaz, Naomi's first response is a blessing, a prayer to the very God she railed against in our text last week after she returned to Bethlehem. This one who has lost everything now has reason to hope. All is not lost. All is not empty. And for that, she gives thanks to God. Through Boaz, this community has made a space, has shaped a way where Naomi had previously seen no way. And for that, she praises God. We weren't sure how Daniel would respond as the week went on. It seemed overwhelming for him and for Sarah. But when Sarah heard from his mom, she said that Daniel had had a wonderful time. Daniel wasn't the only one we were concerned about. We had a whole group of children, some cousins from a couple of families who were visiting from another country. And English was not their first language. And here they were being thrown into Bible school camp craziness in another language. During the slip and slide one day, one counselor was cheering the youngest one along. Moments later, this same counselor was surprised when he was drenched because the hose was directed toward him. The counselor turned to find the little boy, the littlest one of this family, shrugging with a huge smile on his face and holding the hose. Even with language and cultural barriers, this little guy had found a community that embraced him and welcomed him. In this space, he was safe, encouraged even to be his playful, silly kid self. In both cases, these children found a welcome, not just anywhere, but at church, in and with church. Now, you know better than I that this church, this particular congregation, has always been a place of welcome, 
Community groups such as Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, AA, Al-Anon, and others meet here on a regular basis. We have a flourishing preschool, and we have the Commons, a prayer room, whose doors open out to Church Street. We fill the blessing box with food and supplies one might need while trying to survive on the streets. And we look for ways to serve and welcome the community just outside our doors and the community around the world. That welcome is woven into the fabric of who we are, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. And I know as a community and as individuals, there have been times we've been like Ruth, feeling like a stranger in a stranger land. At times, perhaps we have been like Naomi, convinced that the Lord of all has forgotten us. But there have also been times when we have been like Boaz, our eyes suddenly open to the vulnerable in our midst. And in all of these times, by the grace of God, a space has been carved out for us, a place has been set apart for us where we are able to glimpse God's quiet background work. Among us. Now, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. After all, we follow Jesus Christ, who came as one on the margins and lived among us as one of us, showing us God's love up close. He, too, sought out the lost and the lonely and made a place for them at the table. He told us not to fear because he goes to prepare a place for us, making room for us under his wings. And so in this stewardship season, and every season really, we give thanks to God with our words and with our gifts of our time, our talent, and yes, our treasure. And we give thanks to God by extending a welcome in Christ's name. Because in him we have been and always will be welcome ourselves. Thanks be to God. Amen.